In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we observe the feast of the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple, also known as Candlemas. Candlemas is one of the most ancient of all Christian holy days. It commemorates the events of the second chapter of Luke when Joseph and Mary brought their newborn son to the temple in Jerusalem. The primary purpose was Mary's purification, a cleansing ritual 40 days after the birth of a son. Upon arriving at the temple, they encountered Simeon, an elderly blind prophet awaiting the Messiah. He took the child from them and proclaimed, my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. This event marks the final festival in the cycle of light. Weeks ago, Advent began with lighting candles in anticipation of Jesus' birth. The nativity is accompanied by angelic beams on the family in a manger. Epiphany celebrates the star directing seekers to his birthplace. And as the season of Epiphany unfolds, the light expands, inviting the first disciples to come and see. The final movement in the arc of light is Candlemas where the entire world is set ablaze with God's manifestation of love. Christian feast days are, of course, theological, but they are also laden with cultural meanings as well. In the Roman world and in Europe, where Christianity would flourish, early February was an important time in the cycle of seasons. The presentation falls halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, and is the time when many of Europe's ancient tribal people believe the earth woke up to new life. It marked the season of lengthening days and was associated with fertility, the lambing season, and the returning of light. The intersection of the Jewish story of Mary's purification and Jesus the light with the primal seasonal celebrations of Mother Earth and brighter days created the Christian celebration of Candlemas. Thus, on February 2nd, it became a practice that many Christians would bring candles to the church to be blessed and then walk through the towns or villages in candlelit processions. The long weeks of winter candle festivals from Advent to Christmas through Epiphany end with us bearing light into the world. In a way, it began also passively, waiting for God to act, to birth peace and justice in the world. God did something for us gave us a gift of life and light. Let's familiarize ourselves with the story. Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, brought him to the temple 40 days after his birth to conform to Jewish ritual obligations, the purification of a woman, of Mary, 
after giving birth and the presentation of the firstborn to God. It's a bit disorienting to read this gospel today to commemorate the feast of the presentation because it draws our attention back, backwards to Christmas. In a very real sense, the final observation of the Christmas season, that is Candlemas, which explains why in many Orthodox Christian churches, the Christmas decorations, especially the creche or nativity set, remain until this day. Our attention is drawn back to Christmas, to the birth of Christ and to his family. And even as our lives have moved on and the world is not paying attention, the church allows us one last glimpse of the joy of Christmas. It is a story full of joy the joy of parents who are faithfully fulfilling the practices of their faith, and especially the joy of two elderly people who see the identity of the baby and testify to his world historical significance. Luke is keen to show Jesus' parents obeying Jewish law, mentioning it no fewer than five times in this brief passage, He's also concerned to show them as observant Jews. He will do the same when he depicts Jesus. In addition, the temple is a focal point. Joseph and Mary bring Jesus here twice, now 40 days after his birth. They will bring him again when he's 12 years old, in an incident related only by Luke in the very next verses. Jesus will remain behind at the temple when his parents leave. When they discover that he's not with the group returning to Nazareth, they return to the temple and find Jesus in conversation with religious leaders about scripture. Jesus will return to the temple when he comes to Jerusalem just before his crucifixion. And the temple will continue to be a focal point for his disciples after his ascension. In fact, Luke's description of them at the end of the gospel calls to mind his description of Anna. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. In addition to the prominent role of the temple throughout Luke and Acts, this story emphasizes other themes central to Luke's telling. The presence of Simeon and Anna two aged people who testify to the baby's identity, link this story to models in Hebrew scripture and also appeal to the prophetic tradition. Anna is explicitly identified as a prophetess, while Simeon offers prophecy as well as song when he encounters Jesus. Simeon's is not the first song Luke records in the gospel. The nativity story, the story of the birth of Jesus, is accompanied by hymns, that of Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. There's Mary's song, the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. There's the song the angels sang, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. And there is this one. Lord, you now have set your servant free 
to go in peace as you have promised. Simeon was righteous and devout. His song is one of benediction and leave-taking, but Simeon has more to say and turns to ominous prophecy. This child is destined for the rising and falling of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Unfortunately, Luke doesn't tell us what Anna said. Instead, he only leaves us with the image of an elderly woman who spent all of her time in the temple speaking about Jesus to everyone in the temple who were looking for the redemption of Israel. On the surface, this story that brings an end to Luke's story of the birth of Jesus is little more than confirmation of what has gone on before. The birth of the Son of God in keeping with scripture and witnessed by people who were able to testify to its importance. But when we step back a moment to reflect, it opens up even greater depths of meaning. Think about the temple. It plays an important role in this story as it does through Luke and Acts, yet by the time Luke was writing, the temple lay in ruins. In fact, it may have been destroyed two generations before he wrote, so Luke's readers could not have imagined the scene. They had no reference points for it. And think about those two elderly people who expressed their joy of Simeon who sings, my eyes have seen my salvation. But the sort of hopes expressed in this text had not been accomplished and may have seemed further away than ever before. Would Simeon and Anna have been able to hold on to their hope if they knew what the future held? And even of this, in this story of faith, hope, and joy, there is an ominous note. In his blessing, Simeon speaks of the falling and rising of many in Israel, of opposition and division, and most of all, of a sword that will pierce Mary's soul. Even here, in the joy of incarnation, the shadow of the cross looms. We hear this story today, 40 days after Christmas, when the joy of that season has long since left us, cooled by endless gray days, by the relentless cycle of news that wears us down and grinds our hope into fear and despair. We hear this story when we prepare to escape to the Super Bowl or turn our attention to the silly ritual of Groundhog Day. Can we appreciate the power of the story that Luke has crafted, a story of long waits, expectation and hope in the midst of disappointment? Can we see ourselves in the aged Simeon and Anna whose faith did not falter through years of struggle and sorrow? While the transition we use for Sunday worship says that Simeon took the baby, a better translation would be that he received him. Indeed, Simeon did not just see Christ, he he touches him, he holds him, he embraces him, and given that Jesus comes to Simeon in the weakness of infancy, for this moment, Simeon actually carries him as the stronger carries the weaker. Simeon has waited faithfully. 
He's waited faithfully on God, and the reward of his faithfulness is that for just a moment, just one moment, he becomes the bearer of Christ. Mary and Joseph presented Christ in the temple. They presented him to Simeon and Anna. Yet Simeon's and Anna's confessions make clear who Jesus is, our salvation, our redemption, the Son of God. The collect for the day reminds us that Christ presents us to God. And in a real sense, that is what was happening here. Jesus was presenting his parents to God and to Simeon and Anna. We make Christ present on this altar, recalling his life, death, and resurrection. But the fact of the matter is that in a deeper sense, Christ is presenting us. We approach his table hand in hand with him, carried by him. May we, like Simeon and Anna, proclaim our faith in Christ. May we see him here on the altar in our lives and in the world around us. Amen.